Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Only his cats know for sure. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. I've already raided the uh, 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 drugstore across the hallway from the morning meeting this morning. So it should be a good one today here on the morning meeting. Are you talking about the comptroller's office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had all kinds of stuff. He gave me like these orange pills. I'm not sure what they were. <laughs> so you're now an experiment. So we're just we're just free rolling. Buckle up, kids. Who knows what's going to happen <laughs> here on the morning meeting. Uh, Aaron Baker's going to happen from Axiom Strategies with us this morning on the morning meeting. Okay. Uh, Claire McCaskill declaring herself the underdog <laughs> for the upcoming <laughs> midterm election. And uh, what strategy, the, the Trump transition team is getting a lot of attention, obviously, but what strategy is uh, Governor-elect Eric Reitens settling into in Missouri. We'll talk to uh, Aaron about those things. Yeah, and is the Missouri media giving Greitens the Trump treatment? Meaning, are they treating the governor-elect the way the national media is treating the president-elect? And there's a story out of the the Kansas City Star that I can kind of understand, but again, I come back to the guy's been governor-elect for all of a week I was going to say a sneeze and a new handkerchief. And already, as as I said in the pre-show video, he's already under the microscope for what are you going to do about it? You better have a plan before you come off the stage to fix everything. <laughs> right, right. And, and that's, that is solely coming from the media. Mm. So we'll see where this is and, and how that treatment is unfolding as we talk to Aaron Baker. Axiom Strategies, uh, just about a little less than half an hour here on the morning meeting. Today, though, Quake, today in the state of Illinois, it's Demonstration Day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Ask me, don't dictate, negotiate. Uh, ask me, what have you been doing for the last several elections with your contract contents? You have been dictating Dictating. the content of those contracts via the uh, in-your-pocket politicians that you've purchased during the election run. Now someone was able to get something done without your money and is finally standing up for the citizens of the state who have to pay the tab, the golden ticket that you were just handed by politicians who you paid to elect. Now, it's, I'm not going to say it's a day of reckoning because that would sound vindictive. What it is, it's a day to be accountable for choices that, this, that, that voters in the state have made. And that doesn't mean take your money away and, and, and throw you out. And it, it's nothing like that. It's simply from a, a real fiscal basis that, hey, we just can't afford the perks that the, the politicians you have in your pocket have been signing off on for cycles and cycles and cycles, and we're just going to have to have an adult conversation about what the state can afford. That's it. There's no ill will. Nobody's trying to send you to debtor's prison. It's just time to sit down and say, 
What? We just can't afford that, guys. And and at the end of the day, and gals. Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, you have to understand that the the the, the money's not there. And, and I don't know who you're going to leverage to get more of that money. I mean, if you're going to stand out in front of places today and start chanting "raise our taxes," that, again, terrible decision for your perspective amongst mm-hmm. the voters who, by the way, the taxpayers who, by the way, are the ones footing the bill for you to have what they don't have. So when you're, you're out there chanting, raise our taxes, remember, it's the person who's, oh, I don't know, has a second job so that they can make their own ends meet mm-hmm. so that you can continue to have a better situation than they have. You have to keep the reality in mind. And, and, and basically what I see when I, when I go and, and visit these threads where people are having these conversations about the, the, the contracts versus the reality, there's, there's, they're, they're totally missing uh, each other. And there's a whole lot of fair is fair, but they're missing the other side's fair is fair. And another thing I would say is what did we talk about earlier this week? Who are the Democrats looking for? to run against Bruce Rauner in a couple of years. Oh, Pritzker, their own billionaire. Right. What does that mean? That means that perhaps that union money, uh, although trust me, it, they'll take it. <laughs> oh, of course. Won't be needed. It won't be so necessary. Well, here's the problem, though. If you're the union, you have a billionaire Republican who's already in office. And if your party's idea is to fight fire with fire, what that means is that no matter who's elected, nobody has to kiss your ring anymore. Right. The dynamic is changing. Right. So I wonder if they're just scared. Again, you have to understand the reality of the situation to be scared. Right now, all I'm getting is they're they're upset. Right. That if it's just a matter of calming them down, I've got a candle that smells like banana nut bread in a blanket. I mean, we can just kind of hang out on the couch and relax. That's yeah, somebody, fine. Somebody can make a pie cake and then yeah. we'll, we'll, be, we'll be happy. So at least, at least, Quaid, they picked some sites that might kind of be okay for this protest because you mentioned it yesterday. Where are they, they going to be They're not going to be well-received. Uh, no. The Willard uh, Ice Building, that's the, at the Capitol, the old state Capitol, and the EPA are the sites that they picked for the protests. Okay, today. so Springfield, 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 and Springfield. So because, I mean, you've got the majority of these Aspie workers, I would imagine, are either working in or, or headquartered at or report to <laughs> Springfield. So that it makes sense just geographically. Have them all located. I, all right. Again, if videos pop up of raise our taxes, remember the teachers did this uh, several years ago, and in the in the political realm of, of scoring points uh, with the tax fit, that didn't go over very well. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't imagine, you know, uh, when people are are putting things together in how to frame certain issues, this would be a bad way to do it. The Rounder administration has said they're going to move ahead and implement a state employee. And this is probably what has them nervous: a merit pay plan. Because you haven't had to get <laughs> That's off. That's a your, dirty word. You haven't had to get off your backside. And remember, this is a thirty-seven and a half hour work week. Uh, they're going to extend the work week to 40 hours. I mean, that's the absolute bare effing minimum. The argument has always been that seniority is merit. 
Well, it, sure, that's their that's their uh, right. the, the, those who have seniority. That's their talking yeah. point. Uh, we actually have the letter uh, that was <laughs> sent to state workers yesterday by John Terranova. He's the uh, deputy director for labor relations at the Department of Central Management Services for the state of Illinois. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but it begins, as many of you are aware, the Illinois State Labor Board yesterday confirmed what we've known since January 8th, that the state and AFSCME's negotiating team are at an impasse for a new collectively bargained agreement. Uh, It says, you know, it outlines the process of what comes next in the law and why the governor gets to make this call and what the governor's looking at. Merit-based pay. The state's merit pay proposal provides that employees who missed less than 5% of assigned work days would receive a $1,000 bonus. Vacation, personal, and sick days, including family leave, would not be considered an assigned work day. So he's trying to reward people for showing up for work because as we talked with uh, someone, I can't remember who it was from the Illinois Policy Institute about this, but you have people missing on average a day of work every two weeks. Right. They they, they put that video up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's months, months, six months weeks and a half ago. ago. Like yeah. That. Uh, it's if you want to check it out, just hit up Illinois Policies uh, page or or hit up uh, the Morning Meetings Facebook page and just scroll back. You'll yeah. you'll you'll find it. Yeah. Over time, they're going to move the state of Illinois in line with federal law by making it a forty-hour work week instead of thirty-seven and a half. So, other than that, there's just like, some talking points. Yes. How how dare we uh, in the state of Illinois? So that's where the the starting point is going to be. Uh, and, and no, I, I don't believe that that. Uh, a 37 and a half hour work week is is something that uh, we need to get up in arms about but it's a it's a uh, a slippery slope for a broke state if you start paying overtime at 37 and a half hours that's more money the state doesn't have mm-hmm. and in fact uh, uh Dave McKinney who is writing for Reuters uh, just did the latest outline of Illinois unfunded pension liabilities which have reached a new high of 129.8 billion dollars mm-hmm. A 17% surge as a result of low-return, long-range investments. A 17% surge since... Uh, there was a, there was a, a, a they looked at they looked at it six months ago. Okay. So 17% since... This, and this is the problem that you get when you allow those uh, who are on the receiving side to help you dictate the rate of return that you're expected to get... So that you can meet these numbers, you have the the TRS, the Teachers Retirement System, and the State Employees Retirement System, lowering lowering their expected rate of return to seven and a half percent. I mean, these they, they were assuming eight eight and a half on some of these. You have the uh, General Assembly Retirement System. This is the for the legislature lowering their assumed rate of return to six point seven five from seven. I mean, some of these numbers. Can be and realistic if you're an overachiever, but what do we know? Well, we're it, not paying people to be overachievers in government employeeship, right? And is 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 that number even real? Right, right. Uh, so you look at uh, the driving force being poor investment returns. Uh, overestimating on a long-range scale what those investment <laughs> returns may be, and then when they don't come back with those numbers. Why not adjust it down to 3%? You know why? Because then now you have to put in more actual money because you're not assuming that uh, that rate of growth. So that's more painful. So the legislature doesn't mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that because now you need more tax dollars in there. And people are going, why are you taking more of our tax dollars? So this is a whole, the, the whole thing 
is the wool being pulled over the eyes of the taxpayers to help guarantee a contract that was far too generous uh, when it was conceived. Yeah, promised by people who knew they wouldn't be around yeah. when yeah. it blew to smithereens. So they, they benefited themselves in the short term and, 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 and benefited the, the people in unions in the short term, knowing that in the long term, either you, you have to blow everything up or you're going to have to break the, the, the promise that you made mm-hmm. in, in, in blowing it up on their side. All right, if you go to lunch today and you start hearing faint cries of don't dictate, negotiate, now you know what's going on in the state of Illinois. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, we left you hanging on yesterday's show about why the FBI has sent out a warning to Cubs fans and the one thing that Trump what? has already done in his transition that I think bodes very well for this country. We'll get to all that and Aaron Baker coming up this morning on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. The text, the text has come in, and I can confirm. What? I can confirm what I was hinting at earlier this week. His honor for the show on Monday, Mayor Kyle Moore of uh, the city of Quincy. Going to join us out of the gate on Monday here on the morning meeting. That'll be fun. Yeah, it should be. It should be. And uh, look for some news from the mayor over the weekend. That's all I can say. Uh, I, I didn't get the okay from the WTAD news department to mention it just right now. But what, the, you answer the, to the news department? Uh, well, I asked him, I said, has this kind of gone public? And they just mentioned that a press uh, availability was sent out yesterday. So I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to go any further than that. You but probably we'll already on. said too much. We, we'll have the mayor on on Monday and, and we'll get into all of it. Uh, the next thing you know, you're going to be taking to social media to apologize for. <laughs> we're going no, too far no, already. I, I, at least at least the FCC isn't being alerted. Yes, they are they're not leaping into action at this moment. The FBI is getting on Cubs fans as a reminder <laughs> to be careful when you're looking to buy the perfect gift for yourself or another Cub fan this holiday season. The Wait FBI a minute. actually issued a news release that counterfeiters may be getting ready to take advantage of the skyrocketing demand. That's the governmental word for bandwagoning uh, of Cubs, jerseys, hats, baseballs, T-shirts, autograph memorabilia since the team won the World Series for the first time in over a century. The FBI says you should research carefully what you're looking to buy and compare those items with what you know to be authentic. Look, especially when buying memorabilia and autographs. Didn't we didn't we talk about this yesterday? The FBI, <laughs> I understand it's been a century. You need a reminder. Caveat emptor. Yes. Did we not talk about yes, this? I love a little Latin on the morning meeting. And and, and if if you just you you don't care and you you think you you want a little slice of something that that says you know Chicago Cubs World Series champion, mm-hmm. are are you really caring if it is a, a, an officially licensed product? There's unlicensed product in like grocery stores around. Yes, here. there is. So <laughs> you I, can't even I, get to the to the I vegetables the, when you go in without running into some knockoff F- Cubs paraphernalia. But as far as as counterfeit 
stuff in the sports memorabilia world. Right. Oh, That's always there. Yeah, all yeah. the time. All the time. I just I got a kick out of the fact that the FBI actually released a warning to Cub fans about this. Uh, they also uh, issued a warning. There's a department in the FBI, apparently, that, that worries about this. If you're looking for things like game-used jerseys, the FBI reminds you to pay special attention to stitching patterns on authentic jerseys. Is there a hotline? Is there, is there, if there is, could be a turkey hotline for Thanksgiving, there, there could be a hotline for Cubs is merchandise. Is there an FBI Cub fan hotline? <laughs> what, what That's my tax dollars, man. My tax where the, dollars. Where the Cub fans can email and go, hey, I found this deal. <laughs> can you help me authenticate it or not? Because if it's not, li- I, I, really, like a BGA rating service to <laughs> ensure the sanctity and quality of your near mint authentic game used Cubs item. <sighs> Does the dirt help or hurt at that point? I, I don't know. So I, I got a kick out of that. that uh, kind of- the FBI just issuing that. Um, the Trump transition team, they have been hard at work. Uh, I don't believe the large uh, leftist industrial media complex narrative that things are just all akimbo and nobody knows what's going on. They're just trying to rile you up. Uh, I, I, they've got a big job to do, and they're tackling it with a, a uh, idea, I think, and a nod toward uh, the promises Trump made on the campaign trail. And some of those are going to be tough to live up to. But there's one thing that they've done that I think bodes very well, not only for Trump following through, but for the country. And that's announcing a five-year lobbying ban for appointees in the Trump government. This is a a Washington insider's move. What they do is they'll go to work in Washington or be elected for a number of years and then either step down or the day that their appointment ends, go to work lobbying the government on behalf of their clients. Nothing is illegal about that, but... What they do is they use their insider knowledge in order to grant themselves that access. I don't think it behooves a government to have those people who were just working for it or just elected to serve the people to have those people turn around and now go to work extracting the biggest value, the most money, the most promises from that government. And Not that you can never do it, but, but I think this five-year lobbying uh, prohibition or ban is on the right track. Here's what it does. It sifts out those that are currently being considered for positions. It sifts out those that would use that position, that that appointment, to turn right around and cash in. Mm-hmm. And, and and so if you're unwilling to 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 you know adhere to that rule that the Trump administration is putting in place, then you immediately remove yourself. From the process. So to, to, to me, it immediately say, okay, well, how do you feel about that? Oh, you're against it? Okay, well, then you're out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to play by that rule. Then we'll put you over here. And it whittles it down almost immediately the number of people you have now to choose from. I, it's, I think it's a good strategy. I think it's a good strategy. And I think ultimately the country is served better by those who aren't looking to just use their time and then cash in. Uh, at the expense of the taxpayer. Not that you can never go back to it. I wouldn't be. I would not be in favor of a lifetime ban or something along those lines. But I think something like three to five years is a good number to ensure that the work is being done honorably and that there's no sort of immediate ulterior motive 
uh, to use that power to turn around and get paid. Yeah, and what I haven't seen yet, and, and maybe it's just because it's early, I haven't seen this move being praised uh, by the the left uh, and the media. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm talking specifically about social media mm-hmm. uh, at this point in time. Uh, a lot of people lining up to... You know, still talk about why we're protesting and not my president, and and I would think that this move well, it's because you alone, get a paycheck from George Soros. Uh, okay, uh, that, but the, the, this move alone would be something that they would rally around. Mm-hmm. That, that that would really lean towards a, a position. I think that they would take, but it's almost like they don't know about it, haven't heard about it. I think it's a good point that you bring up. Those who have elevated the state to be their religion you would think would want it served purely. It's, well, there's, there's two different things. Uh, those that elevate the state to, to the point of religion also will say that people shouldn't profit privately off of that, even though that's exactly what's going on. Right. So, so at, the, at the same time, you're, you're saying that they're incongruent with, with themselves. They're, 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 their position is contradictory to... A, a, another position that they have. And that's why I'm waiting for them to kind of go, like, hey, did you know about this? Mm-hmm. I would think that you would be on board with this uh, leftist who are still stomping around social media angry right now because I would think that this would dovetail, even though I know you think government is the end-all, be-all, and that's who you answer to. Uh, this move still, I think, would dovetail with their quote-unquote principles. So we'll see how this goes today. Today has been the uh, rumored target date for some major Trump cabinet level position and and other announcements. We'll see. That doesn't have to be today, but it seems that the Trump team was definitely pointing toward Thursday when they began the week and they've been huddling up at Trump Tower uh, in order to do this due diligence because there are a lot of names you got to go through, and especially when you're trying to go outside of the usual normal political channels and really shake things up, you have to talk to a lot of people and you have to uh, look at picks that aren't part of a system that you campaigned on the fact that you were the outsider and we're going to bring in your own people. So his job larger than most at this point. Right. Media's got to understand. People have to understand that, again, this guy, not not that typical Mm -hmm. politician. Yeah. Uh, So if he approaches things in an unconventional way, that's that's probably how it's I mean if all of a sudden he's doing things the way everybody did it before you might feel more comfortable when that comes out but that's really not probably how it's going to go down we'll expect some of those later today all right coming up Aaron Baker we talk about Eric Greitens plan for Missouri if he's getting the same kind of coverage that Trump is as far as the tone of it in the show me state and Claire McCaskill declaring herself the underdog we'll tackle all that with Aaron coming up next on the morning meeting Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Squade with you this morning. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guests on the morning meeting. So many things to get to 
Aaron, even though that uh, the election has wrapped up, we now have to look forward, of course, to 2018. We'll get to that in just a bit. Talking lately on the show about the uh, tone of the media coverage that uh, President-elect Trump has been getting nationally, are you seeing the same tone in Missouri on media that is covering Governor-elect Eric Greitens? You know, we have about five reporters that actually cover uh, what's happening in Missouri government. So we just don't have that kind of media class that, that covers issues and tries to basically put our elected officials in a negative light. And so, uh, and, and with Brighton's lack of a voting record and, and just background as an outsider, I think voters and even, even the media are, are trying to give him uh, an opportunity to kind of create his own brand and, and, and to succeed. Is that the case with the, uh, and I'm looking specifically at a uh, Kansas City Star story that uh, put, puts Greitens uh, squarely in, uh, under the microscope for the upcoming budget. Uh, I understand that it gives him an opportunity to, to say, okay, we might be short money, but that just means we have to trim some things. And it's kind of, I don't know, I, the, the way I look at it, and maybe I'm just sensitive about it, it's almost like it's pre-setting him up. Well, I, I, it does give voters a, a warning that it's going to be pretty tough to meet budget budget spots here in Missouri with $200 million short. Uh, you have to remember the Kansas City Star now is a conservative-leaning, uh, Republican-leaning newspaper. I just think that it's, it's, it's of interest that our governor is going to walk into a $200 million shortfall and, and have to work with the legislature to fill those gaps. There's really only one place to do that, and it's with social social services. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think the media is just really giving Brighton's an opportunity again to, to take a serious look at, at his transition and really giving him time and space to, to make those tough decisions. What's the mood of Missouri? Are they, they haven't been in a let's raise our taxes mood in a while. Are they ready to uh, <laughs> live with the cuts that would come with uh, sort of doing those things? You know, I think with labor issues and with some of the uh, cuts that could come to social services, I'm not so sure that folks just aren't going to expect this out of uh, a new, fully Republican Jefferson City. Uh, when Matt Blunt was governor, we also had the House and Senate made cuts to Medicaid, and uh, it was pretty rough there for a while and, and, and changes to tort reform. But, boy, I just, I just feel like voters this time and, and the media are just kind of expecting it out of this conservative majority in Jefferson City, and I'm um, just curious how they're going to do it. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Uh, just a little side question for you, and a chance to, for you to uh, pimp one of your products. Who writes the morning newsletter uh, for Axiom Strategies? Uh, I get it. Quaid gets it. Because I owe them a thank you for the joy that they brought to my life yesterday morning when I read the piece on Kanye West going to run for president in 2020. <laughs> You're talking to him. I send out the uh, Axiom Morning News every morning. Try to get it out by 6.30, so that's kind of the first thing I do every day. I'm, I'm glad that I could bring joy to your inbox. There's quite a bit of snark in, uh, in some of the, the articles selected every once in a while, uh, and I appreciate that. It goes to about 7,000 uh, recipients throughout the country, and it's, uh, it's fun to put together. It's a, a daily newsletter that comes, again, at uh, 6.30 a.m. Central, so it's something I work on every day. All right, and, and people can get that how, Aaron? Uh, so if you go to axiomstrategies.com, you can sign up for the, the morning newsletter, the Axiom Morning News. And, again, it's it's just a daily email, uh, really simple, subscribe 
tool there at axiomstrategies.com. I, I actually had no idea you were the one writing that. Seriously, it's, it's, <laughs> it's well put together and it's fun to wake up to. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, it didn't take long uh, post-election for uh, the uh, union people to start uh, flexing on the rank and file to get uh, people signed up for uh, opposition to uh, right to work on social media. I literally started seeing people uh, encouraging their uh, social media friends on uh, whether it was Twitter or Facebook or where have you to, to sign a petition opposing right to work four or five days uh, after the election. Uh, does this mean that this is front and center one of the first things uh, that uh, is uh, being lined up to fight over? Yes, you know, I think it will happen quickly. I don't think the legislature will try to poke labor unions in the eye and, you know, do a fly around bragging about the fact that they're going to get right to work done, get right to work done early and fast. Um, I, I just feel like labor unions probably get at this point that this is going to happen. Um, and so I, I don't think it will happen with a lot of fanfare on the side of the legislature and the governor. I just think that it will be done quickly. The question might be what other labor reforms are, are going to take place perhaps this year or next, paycheck protection. There are other issues that could happen. And if labor unions um, stick together and oppose this legislature um, in a very outspoken way, uh, they could get they could poke the bear and really get several other labor reforms happening quickly this year as well. You might find, though, that some of the more conservative-leaning labor unions, public safety um, comes to mind, firefighters, you may see them kind of be okay with right-to-work happening as long as some of the other reforms don't take place. So you may see more infighting between labor unions than you expect. Aaron Baker, Maxim Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, we have snarkily talked about prospective uh, uh, runners for president in 2020 on this show, but on a very real level, there is one office holder in Missouri who has already started at least hinting at the kind of campaign she's going to run in 2018. Senator Claire McCaskill came out uh, earlier this week and called herself the underdog heading into 2018. Is this just because she knows her primary colors and can see how red Missouri is? Or is she really sort of ahead of the game and tapping into America's one unifying love, even across political lines, and that's our love of an underdog pulling something off? So is she just way ahead of us here? I think that Claire McCaskill is frank and, and honest, if she's anything, if, if I could say positive things about her. I think she barely, you know, she won out of luck last time. She's in a deeply red state. I'm not convinced that she runs for re-election, actually. Um, but she would be the underdog, and I think she, she's just telling it like it is, and that's that's part of her shtick. Okay, I, I, Challengers I, for her, do you see on the map? That's where I was going. Uh, there are two women that are both U.S. Congresswomen, uh, Vicki Hartzler from south of Kansas City, uh, Representative Ann Wagner from uh, the St. Louis area. You have the possibility of self-funders. I would think John Bruner is done, but uh, self-funders are, are, are great candidates in a, in a world that has campaign contribution limits. Uh, you could also see one of these newly elected statewide candidates take a run at it because they can stay in their, their seat uh, and run kind of an off-year election and just kind of give it a try. Uh, typically, our best candidates come from that St. Louis media market, though, because 
40 percent of the vote lives there. Um, but there will be plenty of Republicans, I'm sure, a crowded primary that will have an interest in this. And we'll just see kind of which lane each one of them establishes themselves in. But again, I just don't know as if Claire uh, takes another another run at this. And I and I, I get that. If she doesn't go, do the Democrats have a bench to 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 put somebody or or will there be a primary or will they just pick somebody? It's a short bench. You know, they've got Jason Kander, they've got Chris Coster, kind of has bins that we saw on our ballot this year. You get below that, though, and you're looking at, at urban legislators that don't stand for the Pledge of the Allegiance. I mean, they're down to a, a short, progressive, urban-only uh, base whenever, after, you get, uh, after you get past kind of the, the guys that we've seen before. Aaron Baker. So it's, it's a short bench. Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. So what's the big picture for Democrats in Missouri? You mentioned uh, uh, Kander and, and, and Coster. After them, I mean, who is it? Is it them deciding the future of the Missouri Democratic Party? And, and one's a former Republican, or is there going to be some sort of uh, Democratic leadership in Missouri that sort of rallies this situation? Or are we just looking for a long-term Republican runaway? I think you're looking at a long-term Republican runaway, a a, uh, a stronghold in the rural areas, and I think they just look around and say, okay, we're just going to be a minority party here uh, in the legislature. We're going to represent the progressive and urban interests uh, that are, are the base of our party, and I think that you're going to actually see them move to the left because that's all that's all that they have remaining. There aren't rural Democrats that there once was in northeast Missouri uh, in the legislature 10 years ago that were pro-life, pro-gun. Uh, they just don't exist. There was a while they were endangered species. Now they're extinct. Um, and so I, I just think that they're going to have to move to the left and realize that this play for the rural areas just does not work. Okay, this is fascinating. Let's go a couple more steps down this road. In a state that's as deeply red as Missouri, where uh, Trump won by double digits, and you had his coattails pulling people along with him into double-digit ranges, we went over your predictions and how a lot of the margins of victory were actually on the small side when they all came in. How could you survive as as a, a essentially a communist liberal party, socialist liberal party, in a state like Missouri? Uh, you, you you don't survive. You just stand for it. What, what did Clinton say last night that, you know, keep fighting for those values that Democrats hold dear? Um, I just think that they try to keep their base happy and alive and just see how things shake out at the national level and how maybe the state will change as it's changed to be conservative. But these are just the folks that they have left. Um, even in the rural areas we see in, in courthouse races where really partisanship shouldn't matter, that Democrat incumbents were getting knocked off left and right. I just think that, that this is a party that no longer can relate to or even should probably try to uh, work in rural areas. Yeah, we go back to the beginning of the uh, presidential election cycle. I, I think about when, when we talk about these kinds of Democrats, pro-gun, uh, anti-abortion, these are Jim Webb Democrats, and yep. they're, they're just about extinct. And in fact, uh, the, the day that we lose Webb, we, we might just bury that whole section of the party. That's right. And, and these are the folks that organize state Democrat days in, in Hannibal. Uh, they typically are, are older, conservative probably so conservative that, you know, by definition, they're against change and, and cannot imagine changing the party that their family's been affiliated with 
forever. Um, it's just a, a different time, and, and they're a, a relic and, and of that older, you know, conservative Democrat era that, that's just gone away. Well, if all it takes to, to, to be conservative is to hate change, I've been a conservative, I think, my whole life. <laughs> Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies so with us. Your Democrat enclaves now are going to be essentially St. Louis City, St. Louis County, uh, Boone County, and sections of Kansas Jackson City. Jackson County, yeah. yeah. And college campuses. Yeah. The Democratic Party has hollowed itself out to university professors and students and minorities. Uh, there was one man that could build a coalition on top of those to win, and that's Barack Obama. I'm not so sure that unless they change their party uh, again and, and, and are able to relate to white working-class folks, that they'll be able to put together a map uh, that, that can win. Only Obama could survive on that base, and, and Hillary tried to run with that same coalition, and it just doesn't work. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning. Jane, A, was there a governor who had a longer lame duck uh, term than, than, than <laughs> Jay Nixon? And is, is, is he got anything planned for the next uh, couple of weeks before he fades completely away? I believe that Jay Nixon survived as a Democrat governor in Missouri by not putting his mark on anything and just being in hiding and being acting as if he was a lame duck for eight years. I don't expect any any changes or fireworks after, uh, at, you know, in the next few weeks. He had an interview with Missouri This Week in Missouri Politics, hosted by Missouri Times. No earth-shattering news there. Mm-hmm. Uh, good guy, thoughtful guy, wants his legacy to be that the state remained in good financial shape under his leadership despite a recession. Um, and, and, that, and that is the case, working with the Republican legislature. Uh, but I don't see now that you know, there's a Republican in the White House. I, I think that Nixon had a chance for maybe Department of Interior or something of that nature under a Clinton administration. I don't know as if he has a, a political future, um, you know, going forward without without Clinton in the White House. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, thank you so much for the time and the insight. We appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Thanks, we'll, guys. We'll wrap it up next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid, hanging out with you this morning. Thanks again to Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies. It's going to be very interesting watching Missouri continue to unfold as it goes. And boy, the spot that the uh, that the Democratic Party has themselves in in Missouri. That's that is uh, a tough spot. You either have to you 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 have to alter the way you're approaching things because like he said and we heard Craig Robinson uh voice this last Friday the 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 party that is reflecting the working people of the country right now is the Republicans Craig voiced that uh on this show and uh, and in social media actually the night of the election 
And you heard Aaron Baker come back to it uh, again as well. And this is, uh, well, as far as our lifetimes have been, where the Democrat Party has kind of parked itself. And now it's it's moved away from mm-hmm. that that large working population voting block. And I'm not sure how you, under the current alignment, I don't know how you just grab that back with a couple of, you know, Nice stories and headlines. Free advice for uh, Governor Nixon. These words were said prior to this, but uh, they never rang as true and as as forcibly as when Clancy Brown said them as the Kurgan in the original Highlander film. It's better to burn out than fade away. Nerd. So there you go. Hey, you love yourself some Clancy Brown. Too, oh, yes, so. I do. He is, to, to me, uh, Clancy Brown is uh, uh, Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Everything Very cool. else, every other Lex Luthor pales compared to Clancy Brown. Well, we'll see if uh, the governor takes our advice. Uh, two things uh, that we can uh, wrap up the show with here, Quaid. Would you like to set the ground for a confrontation with Craig tomorrow, hmm? or or would you like some good news? Uh... So we're going to confront. Let's confront Craig. All right, and neither one of these is a is a uh, a trap where it's really Sean Space News. So you don't have Thanks to worry that. about that. Yeah. All right, we'll save the good news for tomorrow. That'll work very well because tomorrow's show is Friday, and we'll be going into a weekend. Um, we've got something a situation here in Iowa. We'll have to see if uh, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, who will join us tomorrow, is oh, up no, to wait. date on this. Is this about the legislator who wants to uh, no uh, with the college students? No, although okay. that was great. Go, go ahead and, and, and well, talk no, we'll, about that we'll, for a I've minute. Been, I've been sitting on that uh, since earlier this week. Well, uh, te- tease it out uh, a little bit Iowa legislator, th- eh, I don't need the details of it. I'm going to get them wrong sitting here right now. But there's an Iowa legislator that, that wants college students to, to kind of join everybody else in reality and get out of their bubble. Yeah, and he calls it the suck it up buttercup suck legislation. Suck it up butter, buttercup yeah. legislation. So, so, and, and I think it's kind of funny. So, uh, obviously, Craig has an opinion on that, so I've been looking forward to talking, but that's not what you're talking about. Apparently. No, there is an, a restaurant in Iowa City, Iowa, called Stella's, that's apparently fairly well-renowned, that uh, has been accused of discrimination because they were charging a $10 entry fee if you voted for Donald Trump and a $5 entry fee if you voted for Hillary Clinton. So there was a cover. Yes. They just doubled the cover. Mm-hmm. So they so instead of carting you at the door, they asked you who you voted for. Yeah. Hi, hi, hey, hi. How hard is it? Trump Trump voters are smart enough to pick up on what's going on and just say, yeah, I voted for Clinton, whatever. Here's a $5 cover. Yeah. They're the ones who weren't going to tell the pollsters who they were going to vote for anyway. Yeah, hi. Yeah, they're getting, Stella is the name of the restaurant. Apparently, it's pretty good. Uh, they're getting killed on social media review sites. Well, yes. For this. They said they were trying to point out that whoever voted for Trump voted for discrimination, so they were just discriminating against them. That's like oh. more people who don't understand. Well, they also what's hurt, actually going on in this country publicly. So. All right, we'll Good see if play, Craig's guys. in on that when we talk to him tomorrow here on the morning meeting. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.